0: Welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast My name is Luke Burridge and this is a show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book I do the review Stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to Uh, Joining me today to talk about a book that she hasn't read, it's just me who's read this book, is Juliana Say hello Juliana Hello everyone And uh, yesterday, no not yesterday, last week was our 10 year anniversary (gasps) of knowing each other and getting together It
1: was, our first date
0: Our first date was, uh, was it June 2nd, Years ago, yeah. So I just wanted to like not reference that, not to sort of say, "Hey, people will give us congratulations or whatever." You know, we got married last year. People could do get it out the way. Then we had enough. I, <laughs> yeah, congratulations, I had enough of Luke and Juliana uh, relationship. <laughs> but I thought it was just interesting because, again, it's one of those things that in my mind, I started this podcast, and then this big, like the main stretch of the podcast is like you
1: doing it by yourself, uh, me
0: doing it by myself. And i mentioned this before. And then, yeah. like, and then there's this, you know, and oh, and for a while recently. Yuliana's been doing the podcast with me of course it's it's not it's 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 the 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 other way around the other way around but it really does bring it close and we were just talking yesterday because you know your parents were talking about when they bought their couch their current couch and it was like 15 years ago oh yeah our TV broke it just had yellow no pink purple purple, and pink patches so we're getting a new TV and then that leads to discussions of like oh is it going to fit in the space Yuliana's parents um, they uh, built their own house no they didn't build their own house They uh, They... when they moved into their current house they had a house built for, for them. them
1: and so the all the inside considerations yeah. were yeah. With consideration, like that, my parents wanted to make, pr- build yeah. the house yeah. f- for them. For so. themselves.
0: And they had existing furniture that they really liked. Of course, this was furniture is now 15 years old. And they put a place on the wall to put a television. And they have maxed out the maximum size of television. Yes. And now that size television kind of looks small and it didn't used to look small. So. Yeah.
1: I think now it's a, a 40, 42 inch uh, what they TV. And the wall there yeah. is 120. Like now I'm going to centimeters because yeah, yeah, yeah. this is how we measure things here. Yeah. uh one Yeah. 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 so
0: they can get up to if, like a 50 if, inch television and that's it or whatever well it's, if
1: you if you yeah, yeah if you if you go bigger the yeah. the tv is just sticking out in the kitchen into the kitchen and yeah. into the, the, into the, the hallway, hallway. <laughs> so it's, it's funny
0: that they designed a house like around the size of the television but you know we where to different. put it anyway we were just talking about like oh it used to it, it feels like now that like oh there's this time but now i've got this very easy 10 year like was that 10 years ago or was that not 10 years ago and that cutoff is sort of like oh i was together with juliana so yeah that's within the last 10 years oh that was before we got together so it was just like a little yes. thing and the science fiction book review podcast being literally the thing that i've done longest in my life at this point yes. um of all of my different creative endeavors and even jobs or whatever at well the maybe
1: juggling you've done longer
0: yes but I'm not a professional ju- for the last year like I say now there's this gap here that yeah. even all of the other things like previous relationships ended and I carried on doing uh, science fiction book review podcast got together with you carried on doing science fiction po- book review podcast like changed jobs carried although no i have been a professional juggler all that time but anyway yeah. I just thought it was interesting to kind of work out like like uh, realise that there's a kind of um, like hard cut off point in mm. my life well not hard cut off point but I'm just saying sort of like a, a noticeable thing now like oh yeah when did we get that couch well it was after you and me first got together so it's probably here you know there's this it's like some of these bounded time problems a reference
1: you know? point like i know that some uh some friends of mine who have kids do that you yeah. know they they have oh uh, that was before Kid yeah. one, that was in between uh, kid two and three, or like they have yeah. the kids as reference points. Yeah, and uh, we have our relationship so, as reference points. A,
0: a little bit about this, I was actually thinking back to a book which I've been talking about recently, and talked about the uh, uh, the books which I I, was, I read in the nineties or whatever, the and mystery was, The mystery books. Yeah. We've now solved both of those mystery, but within two episodes, like, oh, like, I like I finally them. got to the. point point where I was like thank you very much to whoever it was last time who said Old Judgment Fled was the first contact novel about the doctor who goes out into space out to the, the orbit of Neptune, Neptune alien. whatever yeah and there's a blanket he goes between the two ships it was Old Judgment Fled and I said there's still another one which in my head was called Last of the Dogmen and it was set in uh, like post post-apocalyptic uh, kind of times in North America yeah. and the people come out of a uh, out of a um, sleep." thing uh, and they come out of the like the bunkers you know the nuclear bunkers they right. come out and there's sort of like some kind of uh, return to the earth nomadic tribes riding around on horses and adventures in the great plains of North America kind okay. of thing.
1: And you and always called it
0: I've, In my head it was uh, Last of the last of the Dog Men yes. but it was mostly about people riding horses or whatever and, um, and so uh, on Twitter James McCormack sent me a, a, a message the other day or you know at mentioned me and you it says Luke I think the book you are trying to remember is the one of the horse clan books and I looked it up and it says the horse clans is a science fiction series by American writer Robert Adams set in North America uh, that has been thrown back to medieval level by a full scale nuclear war and as I first read a little bit about this on, on Goodreads I was actually I didn't look on Wikipedia first I just looked on Goodreads yeah. and I was looking through them and I was like oh this is close but actually it's not what it's I, not, it, it's not what I think it was like because oh, that was the it's... last
1: thing I, I saw you you retreat yeah, and we... say like oh it's closed yeah but it's closed I don't it. think
0: that's it but then I looked on Wikipedia and I think it is it but I think maybe in the UK they were published under different names with different cover art
1: that is um, quite possible and
0: I obviously just read one of the books in that series because that was in the time um, and again I can kind of I know what time that is because I remember the holiday that I was sitting on like we would we would go to <laughs> to Wales um, and go to these beaches and go snorkeling and um, what you what we do when snorkeling snorkeling is we'd make these um uh, like long javelins with uh, elastic uh, on the back yeah and uh, so if you have a 12 foot cane um, yeah. with a with a fork and you splay out you strap a fork to one end and you splay it out splay out the uh, the um the tines on the yeah, fork. like a
1: trident yeah like, like a, a trident
0: but a quad quadrant, Qu- quadrant. and uh, <laughs> then you uh, sharpen them and you you make them all uh, spiky yeah. And then what you do is that you put the, and then you have this big elastic like bungee cord around the back, yeah. and you pull it all the way back so the bungee cord is in your hand and it's pulled really tight, and you swim along and you swim until the end is just in front of the fish, and then you let go and the bungee cord springs the the, the cane forward and <laughs> you can stab a fish. And there was me. And Nathan, my twin brother, mm. and my parents, and we pretty much spent a week doing this in, in Northern Wales. I, maybe not a week. It could have just been a weekend, but I remember us going back to the beach and swimming o- around often, and all the time. And yeah. in, in the entire time, we managed to catch one fish that was, <laughs> worth, that was worth bringing out and, and Good doing job. it. But I remember vividly sitting on the beach and reading this, this book, book, this, this yeah. Lash of the Horse Clans, had like a red cover with a horse on the front or whatever. And so, yeah, it would have been one of these Horse Clan books, maybe one of the early ones here.
1: So that means, though... Both mystery yeah. books
0: have been solved. I think this must have been it. Well done. Because it says people. here, uh, thank you so much. This is actually not the blurb from the Goodreads because this was uh, pretty, you know, because the, the Goodreads blurbs make it feel much more like fantasy based than I than I remember. Like yeah. people have telepathic links with their horses and telepathic links with their um, cat, big cats or whatever, like yeah. the saber tooth tigers that are out there, and people are living forever. And it seems a bit a lot more like from Goodreads, it feels a lot more fantasy based, and I yeah. remember it being science fiction but i think it's because the book that i read was told from the point of pe- point of view of 20th century people who had been in um in a mm. in some kind of cold sleep thing for a while and then come out and then yeah. go and explore the world and they're looking at it from the 20th century scientist point of view right where it seems like most of these books are told from like the the, the horse people fantasy kind of point of view okay. but it says here over the course of the next 50 years milo mori who's one of these you know um uh, immortal people develops the horse clan people and leads them from being bombshell to refugees through stages of subsistence farming leading eventually to self-sufficient nomadism um Yes, and then Milo encounters Clarence, Clarence Bookmark, and Horses of the North. So maybe the book that I read was Horses of the North, um, or whatever, like one of the one of of those books. And here's the thing: while I might reread All Judgment Fled. Um, yeah. I think people picked up on the last podcast that I thought the only copy I could get was going to be sixty or one hundred and sixty <laughs> euros. No, I know there's some good secondhand copies on on uh, on Amazon for like five or eight euros. But thanks for the people who sent me links. Oh, you can get it here for like five pounds. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I just thought it'd be funny to mention the cost. While I'm probably going to at some point reread All Judgment Fled, yeah. I have no intention of ever rereading these Horse Clan books because they are like, like the how height. How many are there? Oh, there's there's like uh, you know seventeen books or whatever, and, and there's so you, box you sets would have and-
1: to read through and yeah i don't know the, the which one, one of these books would, the would be the one yeah. yeah
0: um so yeah i don't know which one it is but and of course they're just trashy like trashy 80s um science fiction fantasy books and stuff and i'm yeah. not saying that any of the other books that we've been reading aren't the Are equivalent trashy. of the pulp trashiness uh, of what we what we read yeah, now
1: but, uh, this is like the perfect example of a, a summer holiday read you know, it's like... Yeah,
0: but when I, I was probably 13 years old at the time or 14 years old at the time, yeah. and it was one of the... F- Five books that I borrowed from the library to exactly. read exactly,
1: and this is literally what I did. Yeah. Like before going on holidays, I would go to yeah. the library. or Isn't it crazy that like you take? I a have
0: take a bag of books with you on holiday. My
1: half of my suitcase yeah. was full of books, and uh, some of them weren't even thin and like light books. Yeah But I
0: remember this being a really <laughs> chunky book. But of course, I was probably thirteen at the time, so and it wasn't a big chunky big book. Yeah. Back in the time when I would literally take any book from the library if it had a picture of a spaceship or a dragon on it, and that would be my <laughs> that would be the only thing that guided my <laughs> uh, my reading yeah um
1: that's cool, but anyway, yeah. this is—I really like that—that the, the the people out there were able to solve the mystery. Yeah, books. finally,
0: just send me like actually, just I honestly was really curious about it. Um, so I'm—I think I'm going to close that thread now on the Goodreads forum on the on mystery the mystery solve. Even though nobody in that forum said what what is what, this book, it was, book? It was the, the people on Twitter. Um, <laughs> anyway, fun. there's eighteen eighteen horse horse clans novels which I'm not going to read, but thanks James McCormack on Twitter for getting in contact with us. Anyway. Um, let's now come over to the, the, the book that we're going to talk about today. Oh no, actually, let me, let me think about, um, let me just type something in here. I'm going to type in the word Venus into, um, into, uh,
1: Google, Google. Yeah.
0: Um, and let's go back to, um, uh, yeah look okay here the BBC Venus NASA announces two new missions yes um, it turns out that the the premise of the book that we're going to be talking about today which is Ben Bova's Venus yeah it's all talking about oh Venus is the neglected the neglected planet in, in, in the, the, the solar, solar system, system. Yeah. ah he's right re- he, Ben Bova himself had been writing these grand tour novels you know each novel set like one on the moon another one on the moon one on Mars one on Saturn one on Jupiter and you know all the way through this it's like and then book 18 in the series it's sort of like oh there's a whole oh, planet over venus. here this is the planet venus let's get to it and the whole premise of that is like all the interesting stuff happens out like further out into the solar system like moon mm. mars jupiter saturn and you keep going out in that direction mm-hmm. asteroid belt which is like most of those books are about the asteroid belt wars mm-hmm. where it's all about asteroid belt mining which okay. is referenced in this novel as well um and uh, yeah, so sort of like, oh, nobody takes, nobody ever looks at Venus. Nobody ever mentions Venus. It's and under as the I, radar. As <laughs> I was reading this two days ago, Venus, NASA announces two new missions. Yeah, so, I saw that too. So it turns out the uh, the last US probe to visit the planet was the Me- Megalan Orbiter in 1990. So mm. talk about three decades worth of just neglected, neglected Venus. I-
1: <laughs> uh, a neglected poor, poor, poor Venus planet. exploration. Aww. So, uh, it so must... yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it must feel lonely. Neglected by humans. Yeah. Aww. Okay, so that's
0: just one premise that I thought I'd bring out there, just because, like, literally Venus has made the news. Like, oh shit, Venus exists as a planet, and it says NASA <laughs> after 30 years. <laughs> um So, uh, yeah, what they're going to do, they're going to send two new missions to Venus in order to examine the planet's atmosphere and geological features. And it was really funny to read that news story
1: while while
0: reading the book uh, (laughs) Venus, which is all about, literally, all about, like, everything about the book is about Venus's atmosphere and geological features. Because to be honest, there's nothing else, there's nothing else to to the planet, you know. Okay. Um, The thing
1: is, as always, I have no idea about Venus. Venus. I don't even know it's how the hottest close planet. it is. I don't know what it's kind this, of it, planet it is. The planet no is idea. the second
0: the second closest planet to the sun, but it's hotter than Mercury. So it's further away than Mercury, but it's hotter than Mercury.
1: Further away from the sun than Mercury. Yes. Yeah, it's further okay. away than the sun than
0: Mercury. It's, and the
1: planet itself is very hot.
0: And the atmosphere itself is
1: very the hot. Atmosphere. But yeah. is it like uh, I, I remember what, what which one was it? Uh, one of the one of the planets is that you uh, with the um, gas atmosphere. Yeah, this
0: got gas atmosphere. That, that's gas atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's all. Do,
1: do do we know? Have we have we poked through it? Do we know what's on the like how the surface is? Yeah, a little
0: bit from little bit... you know from 1990 or whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, or this is why they are heading back. That was
0: the last NASA mission. Maybe Russia or maybe um, Russia.
1: When more, maybe they have China already a station there.
0: Oh, it says here. However, other spacecraft from Europe and Japan have orbited the planet since then. So mm. yeah, very very few things go over to Venus. Okay. Anyway, so what? I realize now when I was looking I finished, I'd finished the audiobook from the previous audiobook we, we were talking. We we uh, Project previous, Hail Mary oh, yes. by Andy Weir.
1: Yeah, oh Venus is also in that book. Exactly. And
0: I, I was looking through hmm. this Audible library the Audible Free Library and I'd already mentioned Venus before a few a few months ago when I reviewed this other Ben Bover, but, Bover. Uh, uh, sorry, Ben Bover. Ben Beaver is a a a, a, a previous, an old, I was say, an old friend, a friend of mine who died a few years ago. So, how do you re- reference someone who used to, who you used to be friends with, but can't be friends with anymore because well, they died? My dead friend, your, but saying, "Oh, my still, dead friend" is a bit of a bummer, isn't I think it? They're
1: still your friend.
0: Okay, Ben Bova, not Ben Beaver. Um, Ben Beaver is, is someone who I, uh, uh, I, I had some uh, juggling world records and there were two person juggling Yay. world records and Ben Beaver was the guy who I s- broke and set those records with. Yeah, anyway. it's,
1: it's these two guys juggling, what, yeah. 18 balls between the two? 19, 19, balls. We 19 were the f- balls. We were the first
0: people to ever juggle 19 of any objects between two people.
1: <gasps> That's amazing. Talk about
0: something from 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh no, well. that, that was actually 2008.
1: Okay, not that long, I yeah. mean, still long still long quite ago <laughs> still, quite a long time ago, <laughs> yes, that's true. I never met him
0: uh no, that's yeah, no, that makes sense. yeah, the last time I hung out with him was at the was at the British juggling convention when it was in uh, uh near Sheffield or whatever it was in two thousand and fourteen was the last time I hung out with him. Yeah. got drunk together or tried to. And then we realised that the uh, the, the <laughs> wine that we, it wasn't wine wine. It was like this, like I this, don't know, this kind of like fizzy way. It was like 1.2% or something. So we were like, yeah, we're different. really trying really hard to get drunk here. And we just weren't. And we got this like, it was like mixer wine that you put in cocktails to yeah. make it taste like wine, but not like add just more like unnecessary alcohol content. Yeah. We didn't, we'd bought the wrong stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get back to Ben Bova. Not reminisce about Ben Beaver. Yeah. So, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so um, I had mentioned this book before, Venus. I'd said, oh, there's Jupiter and there's Venus and there's some asteroid novel, asteroid war novels, Moonrise, whatever. And you've
1: read this one before. And I'd read these before.
0: And I said, his new book that I read, which was called New Earth, I was like, ah, that wasn't as good as the previous books that I remember reading. Like yes. 15 years ago when I last read any books by Ben Bova, like pre-science fiction book review podcast. Yeah. So I say 13 years ago um, before that. So I was like, oh, I'll get to one of those. And I mentioned Venus and I, and I use that as an example of something like, oh, there's an, an adventure story and it's all good. And you somebody, have good
1: memories yeah, from this. Yeah, okay. yeah, good memories
0: from this. Or at least I remember stuff about it. Yeah. And somebody mentioned something to me, which I'll get onto in a minute. Like this, uh, what what this, 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 someone sent me a message back about that book they're like oh it sounds like this book anyway here's the thing when i was finished up with um project Project hail Hail mary Mary, Mm -hmm. i realized that the book i was always comparing project hail mary to (laughs) was the book venus partly because it talks about you know things existing in the cloud like these um you know microscopic things existing in the clouds of, uh, of venus yeah And also it talks about, you know, Project Hail Mary, like the main guy is like, oh, there can't be life, you know, or the scientific consensus is there can't be um, alien life where there isn't water. All life requires water. And they're like, actually, no, all life can't require water. Or There's there's nothing to say it can't require water. There could be a form of um, uh, life, which yeah. exists where there's no water, yeah. but there is sulfur, mm. or there is other kind of stuff, and at super high temperatures and at super high pressures. Yes. And I realized the book that that was making me think of all the time was Venus. Oh. So when I actually finished off when we finished off the uh, um, the project Hail Mary, and I was like, Ah, oh, what's next in the uh, the Audible free library that I can just you know uh, just pick out something that I've read before, or oh, is a good novel, yeah. or whatever it's going to be, Venus suddenly clicked on, and I was like, ah, all the time in the back of my head when reading Project Hail Mary, ah. I was always thinking about Venus and Ben Bova's treatment of, can life exist on Venus? Yes. Uh, of course, which it does in this book. And also, Rocky in um, Project Hail Mary yeah. is a tentacular alien which ha- lives in super high pressure and super high... Um, Temperature
1: and its atmosphere is ammonia. Yeah,
0: and ammonia atmosphere, and it has sulfur. You know, blood and uh, you know all all this, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking, "Mm," you know, and I was thinking, hey, is this Venus? And I tell it, it is. This book is a very close cut. Like they are dealing sometimes in the same areas.
1: Oh, that's interesting. In
0: the same areas. So I'm not saying I'm not saying Project Hail Mary is ripping off this book because again I'll get back to it in a second. Referencing. I'm just it. saying that no, it's not referencing. It's talking about the same problem space. Right. Now if you're thinking that the Andy Weir is writing like progressive science fiction and going in new directions, he is very much not, you know, engineering based problem solving science fictioning like that is yeah. like the most classic of classic science fiction, the most golden age or whatever age you want to be talking about yeah, of yeah, science yeah. fiction. To be honest, I think we're in a great golden age now of science fiction. I think the science fiction now is that's coming out now and that I'm reading now is really some good. of the best, best ever, yes. you because know? you've got people who are um, who've been around for a long time. Time and are at the top of their game and are still stretching themselves. Mm. And I think they're stretching themselves because they have to because there's this whole other generation of new, young, more interesting, or not more interesting, but equally as interesting and just way more diverse authors coming along. Yeah, and just everybody is pushing forward. Yeah. And people who aren't being pushed forward, like you're just becoming irrelevant. And yes. I think so. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it's a great time for science fiction. Now, anyway, what Andy Weir is doing, he might as well be like, you know, the problem solving stuff is right out of a Heinlein book. Or a yep. or an Asimov book, or even Clark Arthur C. Clark. More, it reminds me of the book that I talk about. I've mentioned quite often because it's one of the like most formative novels of mine, which is "Have Spacesuit, Will Travel." Mm. And it's all about literally a guy going, "All oh, right, I've got this old, you know, this reject spacesuit, and I'm going to repair it." And the whole part of the book is that like, oh, I'm like, and then I got the radio to work by doing this, and then I filled it up with air, and I went underwater in the in the in the in the swimming, swimming pool, pool and home. things like that. Yeah. And then I used this radio, and then later on, I like, now I've got to detach this thing. In now I've got to do this Apollo 13. This, these two air uh, valves don't uh, match up and I've got one to match round, up one. is round, one is square. Like and it, it literally in. it's a whole entire novel about yeah. spacesuit design, like literally uh, EVA or walking around on the moon spacesuit design written at the time when there was no such thing as a spacesuit, you know, because it was written before like pre-space race almost. Whatever.
1: Okay. So yeah, I'm just saying I, that
0: the, the, the world or the kind of science fiction that Andy Weir is doing is, a, is very much a throwback Mm. in a, in a way. Yeah. So that he's working the same way as Ben Bover is or like the same style of Ben Bover, isn't that he's copying Ben Bover? Is that they're both doing the same style of science fiction?
1: I thought always when when we read The Martian what made um what made it so appealing to me was mostly the use of language mm. because the way that um that Andy Weir wrote um what's it? Watney guy.
0: Yeah, Mark Watney.
1: The way that he, the team the the way that that guy was talking, because it was first-person narration, yeah. um, it felt like really current, like current yeah. people talking, yeah. and and that doesn't happen so often so often in science fiction. In science right. fiction, it's often like you know, uh, I don't know, military talk, yeah. um, s- scientific talk, and very um, yeah different level. Mm. And um, and I always thought that that was the specific um, stand-out bit, yeah. because, as you say, like the problem-solving. Bit that has yeah. been done before that's yeah, not yeah. new but what was new for me was the way that uh, the characters it, are talking brought
0: to modern, but the thing is the, the way that the characters are speaking and have spacesuit wheel travel is exactly how teenagers would speak in the 1950s like yeah. it's, it's not as if it isn't, yeah. but now when we read that like why am I reading how people spoke in the 1950s or 60s or 70s like that it feels very dated yes right so let's bring back to novel the, Venus this novel What's yeah that?
1: I'm just always surprised by it. sometimes uh, it looks like I'm talking quiet and then no no you yeah, and like, there's uh, something aspect uh, don't worry I about that don't
0: worry about the audio levels but it's fun that you can see the audio levels over yeah there. i'm i'm talking and then turning around and we're talking over to look and now we're talking back uh, okay so um when i mentioned it oh i should actually uh, look at look this up i i know i mentioned this on the uh, on the on the podcast before uh when somebody actually sent me this um thing here so someone sent me an email his name is Oh, it doesn't say... Oh, Thomas. So someone called Thomas sent me an email um, when I'd mentioned sort of like when, when we talked about the previous Ben Bover and I was saying the previous book or another book that I remember of his was Venus and this happened and this happened. Like stuff was happening. It was like more adventurous. Yeah. And he said, plot wise, I am reminded of Jack London's Sea Wolf or is it Deja Vu? Thanks, Thomas. And so... I replied back to him, but I'm going to pretty much go do the same thing that I said before. That I was always wondering why the novel Venus, the main character, is called Van Humphreys. And I'm like, why is someone called Van Humphreys? Van Humphreys doesn't sound like a real name. The other book. Yeah. That,
1: we, that you read by Ben Bova no, that's
0: this book that's that's what I'm oh, saying that was this during that bo- oh, yes. book uh, right. I, 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 we've had this conversation before, before uh, when we were doing podcast. feedback about another po- and another podcast I'm saying now I'm just rehashing that same feedback as an introduction here mm. is that um, it says Venus is a science fiction novel by writer Ben Bova part of the Grand Tour novel um, se- Grand Tour novel the series and then it gives a plot summary and that's it it doesn't mention any yeah. connection to the sea wolf by Jack London I checked out here Grand Tour number 18 by ben vova i was trying to find a single review here on this page which mentioned the seawolf by jack london none of them do it this is very clearly and self-acknowledging now that i know it this time what it's very much playing in the same place it's going right what if i was to write a book like a more modern day book which is taking the features mm-hmm. of the Sea Wolf by Jack London, which was Jack London's like follow-up book to, um, uh, oh, quickly, what was the previous one? Uh, yeah, Call of the Wild. So Call of the Wild, massively successful, mm-hmm. and then sort of like let's follow up Call of the Wild. I was going to say White Fang, but that was a later one. Call of the Wild, um, really, really big, really big selling book, and then you're sort of like my follow-up book to so that is going to be Sea Wolf, mm-hmm. and um, it says the uh, it says here about Sea Wolf, the Sea Wolf is a 1904 psychological adventure novel by r- American writer Jack London. The book's protagonist, Humphrey Van Weyden, is a literary critic who is a survivor of an ocean collision who comes into the dominance of Wolf Larson, a powerful and amoral sea captain who rescues him. Um, so, again, that the, the main character in Venus is called um, uh, Van Humphrey's, and uh, and then the the protagonist of the Sea Wolf is called Humphrey Van Weyden, the captain that he, he that they meet up with here yeah. in in the Sea Wolf is called um, what was this called? It's called uh, Lars. La- no, Wolf Larsen. Wolf Larsen. Wolf yeah. Larson. And then in Venus, the uh, the the captain that Lars they come. Lars No, Lars Fuchs. Oh, Fuchs as in Fuchs, like as in d- Fox, Fox, Fuchs, Fox, Fox, German. and he has like this kind of German Austrian. The audio uh, audiobook narrator yeah. um, does, does a kind of like ge- very Germanic accent. But he, again, he's it's not great. I keep thinking, is he doing like a comical Austrian accent? Like, or is he doing Germany? Like, is he meant to, is this character like who is this character meant to sound like? Is it yeah. like a mix between, uh, you know, Toto Wolf and I don't know dominic team i don't know Uh, i'm trying to think of uh, Austrians. austrians yeah yeah um uh yeah so that's the kind of thing so this book is very very clearly going how do i do not a retelling i wouldn't want to call it a retelling because i read through the plot summary mm-hmm. of um of the sea wolf yes. and it's a very different plot like the characters are doing different things but like the setup okay. and that we're going to have a sea adventure uh w- how do i do that in the modern world now this has been done many times before like all of the um, military science fiction where there's a captain in space like yeah. Honor Harrington is just Horatio Hornblower like this. It's got the same initials in the name, in the yes. same way that Jason Bourne and James Bond, they're all JB. Because,
1: I mean, what the, the difference between uh, the... Yeah. M- Seafarers yeah. and spacefarers.
0: No, no, no. But here's what I'm just, Let me get onto this. Oh. These, these, um, all of these books where there's spaceships and stuff. They all want to do Napoleonic sea battles. Yeah. Um, but just in space. So in Honor Harrington books, the on Basilisk Station, they, they go to a lot of pains to say that ah, oh, actually, the way that you take your spaceship through space, you've got these vanes that you put out and you catch these things that they go through, and the main cannons so have to point you're sat- sailing forward. Sailing. Yeah. It's, so they're trying to do space battles. That like you've got to do broadside. It's literally saying, how can I construct construct the rules of the physics universe to best best be able to do like um, uh, flanking maneuvers and broadside cannon fusillades and that kind of yes, thing.
1: Military stuff in, in space. this
0: book. It's really cool because they're like, ah, this, the the sea wolf all takes place out at out at sea, you sea, know, in the yeah. ocean, and yeah. there's shipwrecks and things, and and shipwrecks and mutinies, you know, all the kind of stuff that you want in a in a in a, a big sea adventure out yeah. in the Pacific Ocean with Mm. whaling fleets and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And in this book they uh, in Ben Venus, it's not like let's go into space he's sort of like ah Venus the clouds of Venus where you have to have these dirigibles you have to have airship going around and there's really strong winds Mm. and it's in a very dangerous situation like it's not just sort of like oh we're out at sea no it has to be frontier in the same way that Seawolf is about you know um, uncharted islands and you know uh, you know savages and all this other kind of stuff it has to be frontier in the same way that Call of the Wild and white fang it's all about going up to the klondike in the in alaska and the gold yeah. the yukon gold rush all of that kind of stuff right it has to be on the edges of where Known. yeah of of geography but also on the edges of law and the edges of society and right. the only way to do that is to have some financial backing and there's going to be a big prize at the end yeah so um he is uh ben bova is very much playing in the space of jack london and gold rush and we've got to be the first to stake the claim in this place. Now, of mm. course, there's nothing on Venus. That's the whole point of the book, is that nobody's ever gone back there. Yeah. So, the setup of this book is Martin Humphreys has got two sons. Martin Humphreys is the big billionaire who owns the mining corporations out in the asteroid belt. Mm-hmm. He's kind of self exiled from Earth because he's using illegal nanotechnology for health reasons. He's 100 years old, but looking 40, whatever. He's okay. got two sons. One yeah. of them has gone off to Venus um on a mission to help like the green party because this is 100 years in the future and there's lots of global warming and the sea levels are rising and yes. they're like we got to stop this yeah we're and,
1: heading right to towards
0: yeah. it and uh, and so he's sort of like, all right, to help people realize what could happen on Earth, mm-hmm. we're gonna go to Venus and study Venus and bring back pictures of Venus to show, look, if we don't do this, we end we're up like have, that. We're gonna end up like Venus, because mm-hmm. Venus is Venus was maybe once like Earth, you know, and we're gonna go yeah. there and find evidence and do this stuff. Yeah, One on. question in between now yeah. here.
1: Uh, when was this book written?
0: I'll get to that in a bit. In oh. a bit. Uh, because I want to bring that there's a point that I want to bring that up here as well so uh, his uh, I think Martin was his name no no Martin was the father no Alex that was his name Alex the the older brother (laughs) of the two brothers goes over to goes over to uh, Venus and the book begins a few years later that um, that was a disaster that thing Mm. was that thing was a disaster and Martin Humphreys says um, out of nowhere just announces I'll give anyone I'm putting up a 10 billion dollar prize for anyone who can go and bring back his remains from his, the crash ship on the surface of Venus right why he does that is a bit mysterious but slowly throughout the book it, it work, you work out that um, it is it is a, this long running rivalry between him and Lars Fuchs uh, this is between oh. Martin they have a long history like yeah, I see. Um, Martin Humphreys stole his wife at one point they were rivals out in the thing one of them is bad and what's up? one thing What's up?
1: Just don't say that. You don't steal a wife from anybody. In
0: this book, if you kidnap somebody's wife, oh, and so literally say, he, he
1: took her. Yeah,
0: again, I want to make it clear that when he says I stole his wife, and then against pretty much her will, against her will, but then, but then, to, to, this is to try and stop a, this is to try and stop something uh, in the asteroid world. It's kind of uh, mentioned in this book. It's it's part of another novel. It's, this is kind of backstory in this this okay. Grand Tour thing.
1: Whoa.
0: Steal someone's wife. Hold her hostage. Say, um, "I'm going to kill your wife if you don't surrender." Oh, and that's then the terrible. other, and then Lars surrenders. And then, uh, and then say, uh, and then the wife makes a deal to say, "Look, I'll mar-, the the wife of Lars says to Martin i 'I'll marry you if you promise to stop this war between you and Lars and free oh,
1: him.' What a what an awful human being!
0: Yes, talk about what an awful fr- human being. You know, and then. Yeah. Uh, but again, this isn't revealed at the start of this book. This is revealed halfway through the book, so I'm kind of spoiling it a bit. That the whole point is that the bad guy in this book, that Marty, uh, that uh, Van Humphrey's hates because he's like the main rival of his father, hmm. is um, is this Lars Fuchs. I keep wanting to call him Wolf, but no, the Wolf is the is the other guy, yep. Lars Fuchs. Uh, that in the Sea Wolf. Uh, Wolf Larson the yes. Jack London book is the main villain but is never shown to have any kind of redeeming qualities or anything bad like his politics are the worst his morality is the worst everything about it is the worst which is a novel I've not read by the way I okay. think <laughs> I once I read through the Wikipedia page about it I was like I know this story where do I don't know and then it says at the bottom there was a Radio 4 drama adaptation oh, and so there's right. like, actually quite a lot of books or stories that I read for the first time or the stories that I know are from radio Radio drama adaptations on the BBC right. throughout the eighties and nineties because yes. that would be like when we didn't you, have a television so yeah, that kind of thing. That would, people there's, would
1: just put on the radio and sit in front of it and listen to stories.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a few of those stories and some of them I've actually gone back and listened to again. There was one which was Salem's Lot by Stephen King. I went back and listened to the BBC adaptation of mm-hmm. that, and uh, and I was like, yep, I literally remember where I was sitting in my parents' back in my parents' <laughs> home, our family home when I listened for the first time. So I think I think that's where I know uh, the the. Wolf. from is from yeah. a bbc adaptation because it kind of it was so familiar to me as i was mm. reading it through um so yeah the uh the what was trying to say yeah the, the captain has got like a, a backstory which kind of reflects this rivalry between him and martin Humphreys and, and casts him again this is deep into the book mm. like what his like what his motivations are of what's g- going on so who on there.
1: Are we follow we are following the
0: main character is uh van Humphreys, who is the son of martin Humphreys and it's kind of unknowingly at the start of the book becomes a pawn between this rivalry between right. his and father, Martin Humphreys. And the other,
1: son, the, the other yeah. son that's not... I mean, of yeah, course. Yeah, he's already
0: died and they're trying to go and... Uh, uh, Alex, Alex Humphreys is... Um, Martin Humphrey's first son, who went to Venus, right? Martin Humphrey says ten billion dollars to any anyone who goes and gets his uh, gets his remains. And
1: then his son Van,
0: his son Van takes Humphrey, takes that said,
1: on and like
0: obviously mistakenly, and you don't know this, but he thinks he's his father is saying, "Hey, you're the useless son who's never done anything. Prove his yourself. Life. Prove yourself." <laughs> and it's so clear right from the beginning of the book that isn't the case, but Van humphreys thinks that's the case, and so sort I'm of like, because... "Well, I'm going to have to put this together." And you can yeah. see that like nobody expected him to do this. His friend don't do it because like, he invites all his friends like who wants to come with me to Venus because he's like this spoiled brat of like this yeah. you know billion billionaire you yeah. know multi trillionaire whatever it is someone who can just go oh, I don't and uh, you, he never because he is so self-centered yeah. and su- such a wimp and such a pathetic Person at the beginning of the book. He thinks everything's about him, and it turns out no, he is just this minor <laughs> character and has just been thrown into this situation. <laughs> okay. Um so yeah, what I just want to go back to this uh this Seawolf thing here as well. Seawolf is a 1904 psychological adventure novel. And this is where really the, the frame that um uh that they're setting up for here, that that Ben Bova is the space that he is playing in. Yeah. Is he this is an adventure novel. It is, it is like I would say swashbuckling adventure there's no sword fighting but there's you know when i say like a big adventure like go off in the space fly around there go like do big sailing adventures and all the crazy stuff that happens and yeah and discovering life on venus or trying to investigate life see if there's life on venus and then there's you know somebody talking about volcanoes and you know mutinies and all these other kind of stuff that you (laughs) want from one of these things yeah and Uh, and it's in there but he's also playing in the space of this being a psychological adventure okay like what it's like to like it's this coming of age story of Van Humphreys Mm. Um, but he's already he's already like mid he's like 26 or something by then so you think he should be growing up but he hasn't grown up yeah and right at the start of the book you're like this guy is gonna go on an adventure but not just an adventure to Venus but like the coming of age adventure like by the end of this he's gonna be more grown up he's gonna be able to take responsibility for him Himself, he's going to be able to look at other people and not just see, not just see himself. But you know what I mean? Like he can, yeah, empathy.
1: He's going to learn. He's going to
0: learn empathy, yeah. and things like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So all of that does happen in this book. Not all of it is that great because, again, some of these characters do just become a foil for Van Humphreys and Laz. Um, Lars Fuchs you know they're the Martin ge- Humphrey no M- Lars Fuchs so M- Martin Humphrey is just the father who sets this up and then he's not in for the most of oh, the okay. novel Obviously. he just says here's a prize like what I said before that you, what's the gold rush what are they going to the Klondike what are they going to they just needed yeah. the
1: reason why are, they ga- he-
0: why are people going up to the Yukon and having adventures up there you mm-hmm. need money like gold. What yes. is the gold? It's not like we're doing it for scientific exploration. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. They're not Darwin sailing around the world yeah, on yeah. the Beagle or whatever. Or what, you know, and even that wasn't that wasn't even that was yeah it wasn't just for science. But yeah. they're not being sent out by the, the the all that kind of stuff. Even what Alex was doing, his brother, his brother, like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to do something for the for the greens. Um, yes. I want Even to help out the Greens that back there. He
1: had some incentives. Yeah, and incentives.
0: Yeah. And of course, Van Humphries is saying, like he's he is saying, oh, I just want to get my brother's remains. That's the most thing, important thing for me. But it isn't. It's he wants validation from his father. You yeah. know, he wants to one be of the yeah. One
1: of the world's most basic storytelling yeah. tropes. Daddy, why won't you yeah. love me anymore? <laughs>
0: yeah. So, so all of that setup. Which means that it um, compared to, and uh, this is the book that I mentioned like right at the end of the the review that we did in the last episode about Project Hail Mary, once we'd wrapped up the thing, you're like, what book are you reading there? So I was like, oh, it's an amazing to start a book with a character who isn't the, char- the same character that they're going to be like at the end of the book. Yeah. Unlike Project Hail Mary <laughs> where the person literally has amnesia and doesn't remember that he used to be a like a waste, you know, whatever. Like, again, the whole, the whole, all of the... Um, all of the uh, the character development comes between 85% and 90% yeah. of the, like 5% of the yeah. book is where he's like, oh, I used to be like this and now I'm going to be different in the future. You're like, great. Thanks for putting all of that into one quarter of one yeah. chapter yeah. via a flashback. Yeah.
1: So unsatisfying. Um, yeah.
0: And this is sort of like, oh, the, the character this guy is at the start is so wet, so pathetic. He's just this rich kid and you're like, oh... He, I really hope that someone slaps some sense into him and of course that does happen when he meets when he meets um, Lars Fuchs for the first time. Yeah. He's sort of like, You're not my captain and he just gets beaten up. Yeah. <laughs> puts in the infirmary, just like gets the shit beaten out of him for well, the first time.
1: We don't like that, but No, 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 sometimes but the thing the- is
0: you kind of do like that you you want that to happen <laughs> sometimes somebody just needs to face some hardship
1: consequences you
0: need to face them con- well not even just consequences no con- but if you're that privileged sometimes you need to be punched in the face by either circumstances or a big person who is very good at fighting
1: yeah <laughs> that's know? true that's true um um i wanted to, come to up- say oh, yeah, uh, put in like now a little wedge in here because yeah. i i think it's interesting to know that even after the podcast, I think in total, we talked about the Hail project Hail Mary again, yeah. uh, maybe another two hours in total. Yeah. Like we talked about so- well, it's several times we, again. Uh,
0: we both listened to a podcast episode. Or there's this podcast called, was it Science Fiction 101 or was it Sci-Fi 101? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Jesse from the SFF Audio.
0: SF Audio, yeah. He he said, oh, both Luke and Juliana on the Science Fiction Book Review podcast, and these, sorry, I don't remember the names, two other guys on this other podcast, or um, talked which, about this which, book. Which, yeah, which I mentioned.
1: also, which, which we both listened to. Well, I
0: only listened to it because you listened to it yes. and seemed to enjoy it. And I was like, oh, I'll listen to it. And they brought yeah. up like most of the same points, yeah. but then rated it really highly. And we brought up the same points and we're like, bleh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. They, they both said that, like, oh, yeah, that whole second half of the book, which is this cycle of a problem and a solution and a problem and a solution. When they do the movie version, all of that's going to be gonna taken be, out. Do, yeah. And I was like, yep. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway. No, but it was fun that we, uh, this this is the kind of, interesting thing that I sometimes want from books. I want from books that we do have ongoing conversations about it. Mm. And in a, in a way that tightens the book again. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Because we have just... Um, I mean, this book gave so much ground
0: f- for, 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 our for chat, conversations. Chat. That, anyway, bring this yeah. back to Venus. What you want to say about Venus now?
1: Um, no, that, that was... Oh, okay. I wanted to put that in because ah, okay. I thought it was interesting that we, after the Hey Mary project podcast we still talk about we it. still talk things about we do that it
0: every almost every podcast that we do no actually that's not true some that's books true. we talk about in the podcast and then we never and mention them again they yeah. just fall out of it but then no um project hail mary just because the the the, the, the promising setup and then the keep disappointment. popping
1: up and then we talk about it again
0: so um here's the thing yes this book is modeled off a book which was which is from 1904 Yes. Which means that me going into this now knowing that the the framework that he was playing is in the, the story again wolf. it's not a retelling. Yeah. We did We did that in the QuickBook, book which is like a retelling of was it Jane Eyre? I can't yes. remember what was it? Yes Jane. Um, it was Jane Eyre and like I was, and, and uh, as I was going through it I was like oh no we're going to discover that this person who's now the love interest is going to have his ex-wife or his current his crazy wife like locked away somewhere else and it turns out that's true and I'm like this doesn't make any sense. No. This, like the, the way that the world works everything this all reality where physics is different you know all of that kind of stuff it doesn't work this book holds together really well however and i know this is me like there's loads and loads of people complaining about this, this same thing that's happening now. Like that I'm going on Goodreads. Other people complaining on the Goodreads review about yeah. the same thing that yeah. I'm going to mention here is that this book feels very dated with sexism, with racism, yeah. with <laughs> body typeism, and all these other kind of things. It, it feels really dated. And you said when was it written? And I was it, like. It, a book like this which again I knew when this book came out or when this book was written mm-hmm. um, you'd be like oh it's Ben Bover so he was probably writing in the mid 80s and of course he wasn't that enlightened or anything like this and then you're like oh this book came out in 2000 oh so what so that's why yeah that's why it's talking about global warming and it feels very current in some ways like oh. you know the setup of the book and all the like goals and stuff it feels very current however because it is a retelling reframing re-, re- reimagining <laughs> of the same kind of story hmm and he's picked out like the main character of, you know, Van Humphreys instead of Humphrey Van Waden and Wolf and uh, Wolf Larson in this book becomes uh, Lars, Lars Fuchs. Fox and he wants that same dynamic between the main character this mm-hmm. young um, spoiled brat son of a billionaire son of a rich kid who's never done a day's work in his life mm-hmm. coming up against this hard-bitten veteran you know whaling captain of course not in this one but you know sort of like mining captain like gold digger kind of person who just doesn't take any shit from anyone she's an it. action like, per- like and, he... The, and he wants to have that dynamic and yeah. so he's found an environment where that dynamic does work not out at sea in lawless territory not up in gold mining mm-hmm. Yukon or whatever it's sort of like in this you know this super frontier of the clouds of venus yeah he's done that unfortunately he also needs to do the love interest thing which is in i read reading it here as well in the wikipedia base that's also in the sea wolf okay. and also he needs to have like this otherness from the crew mm. which is done in terms of race that when he gets when they when he arrives on board of lars um uh lars fuchs's uh ship mm-hmm. um he, the uh the lucifer is what it's called um uh-huh no lucifer is a name one of the names for venus the morning star oh you really know. so all of the all of the uh-huh. ships are all all different names that uh, from the- different languages and different cultures their name for their name for venus. venus
1: yeah um okay uh,
0: so one of them is the actually i can't remember any of the names of the ship the pasiphany <laughs> no i don't even know what it is but like different different uh different names for venus
1: yeah okay um,
0: so, uh, so that's why he's the Lucifer. But he is self-acknowledging, sort of like, yeah, I'm going into... Uh you know paradise lost dante's in Infer- like this guy is and this is again in the in the sea wolf the idea is that this this captain lars wolfson wolf Larsen, sorry um is an educated man but a self-educated man mm. and one of the reasons mm-hmm. why he takes this young rich kid under his wing is because he's also a writer he's like finally someone else who can i can have discussions with about culture with so. yes now the way that it's done in this book in in Venus. Ben Bova does it in this book. He he puts a language barrier between the, between the crew members right. to and to, to make it so Lars Wolf Lars Fuchs and, uh, Van, and Van Humphreys they, uh, they
1: are the only people who can yeah they're the, they're the
0: two white educated guys and <sighs> the rest of the people are these people of Asian descent and I'm realizing oh actually this is all written from the point of view of a racist sexist person which is really difficult to to go because it d- doesn't make it any and, and again I'm not I'm not saying this is good writing and i'm not saying oh it's okay racism or whatever Hmm. but the way that what you're reading is somebody coming to terms with like their own racism and their own sexism but it's never quite there because the frame story has to be set in this 1904 writer writing about something which happened because this is you know it's partly um uh autobiographical from jack london so he's writing about something which happened in uh you know uh, 1890 or whatever um and so it's it's reflecting too much of that. And th- on Wikipedia, that this book is a rewrite or like a reframing or like messing around. If it, was, bo- if it was biblical, you call it a midrash, uh, kind of midrashic kind of thing. Okay. Um. Uh. Or or whatever it's going to be, like sort of like a retelling of the story with major differences in in, the in actual the plot stuff. Yeah. But you to to best understand where it comes from. Mm. And again, in my own biblical criticism, it always comes to when you find something which is incongruous in the story, which can be explained by it being based or referencing a previous story which mm-hmm. is uh, which is known. Like Van Humphreys is a weird name. Ah, Humphrey Van Weeden isn't a weird name, and you can see Lars Fuchs. Why Lars Fuchs? You know that you yep. can you can work out that ah, we're playing in the same space. Yeah. But he's playing in a space of of sexism, racism, yeah. and all so of he these other only, isms. He,
1: because he takes this story, he can't only take sections of it he yeah. has to take uh, the framing the of it. framing as yeah. well which then i don't know if he was like comfortable and happy with it i don't know because in some
0: ways the politics of it are way more progressive like the message at the end is sort of like no environmentalism is great and all that kind of stuff but the main thrust of the story story of like the character development is it's in it's the same with a lot of these Mm. adventure writers from the previous times it's that of like my maleness and my whiteness and my richness and privilege is the thing that just wins out yeah and it's so weird even in this book written in 2000 to have that same kind of oh my whiteness like as i reviewed um uh tarzan And in that book, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, Tarzan is the white man in the jungle. And Mm. just his whiteness means that he can lynch black people. And you're like, oh, this is really like there's literally lynching scenes in Tarzan. But it's a really fun adventure story. But it's based on like my whiteness and my maleness just wins out. Same thing with the Perry Roden. Was it Perry Roden? We actually (laughs) read that book. And and at the end of it, like this this super, super capable, super um, intelligent... Massively advanced Um Alien figure who happens to be female yeah. is obviously the one who should be in charge. Should is the most powerful person there, like that. <laughs> and at the end of it, Pay Roden is sort of like, "All right, my turn to be in charge now." Why? Oh, yes. And it literally says in the text, "His maleness just put her in his in her place, and he took charge, and then he was then the main character of the story." And you're just like, <sighs> "Wow!" Like yes. m- white maleness as a force of nature in these stories is it? It's it's kind of grossly overpowering the enjoy the otherwise enjoyment of this book but weirdly enough, that that thing which everybody, like everybody who gives this book two stars and three stars and one stars on Goodreads, <laughs> yeah. is talking about the same thing. Oh, it's really dated. I can't believe this book was written in two thousand stuff. None of them have realised. Oh, he's playing with the, this uh, this Seawolf. No, but, it doesn't make it more fun if you don't know that's the reason.
1: But even then, like let's let's yeah. just play this. Let's just play this game. Yeah. Let's say you're taking something. With a strong dated yeah. racism yeah. and sexism thing, yeah. I think it only can work if you then actually reflect it in your own book, yeah. and don't just put it in because it needs to be there. No, it even, is there any? Is there any? Yeah, there ref- is.
0: There is some reflection, but. All always that reflection of this is, um, uh, you know, it's always from the point of view of the privileged white male and yeah. his and his antagonist um, sea captain,
1: who's also a white male,
0: who's also a white male, yeah, and was uh, the rival of his father, you yeah, know, yeah. and so like the woman, the one no, there's actually quite a few women characters in the book. But Are there
1: any point talking about with each other about something else? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's, there's okay. stuff going on. There are, there are plenty of, like, female characters in this book. It is much more that. But there has to be a love interest. And even though she's being Christ shown as God. the main capable one at the end of the book, it's sort of like, oh, yes and no. Save so. me. No, not no. save. No, it isn't save me. No, okay. there's, there's uh, no saving Ed, the women in this least way. that. No, there okay. isn't this. Like I say, it's subtle, but mm. in the end... The we have to now wrap up this uh, psychological adventure story that's ref- that's referencing like frontier adventure novels. Mm-hmm. Any good stuff which could have been there with the sexism, racism is it's kind of secondary to that. Mm. So again, I'm not excusing any of the racism stuff, but it it is. Exp- I'm just explaining why it feels uncomfortable to be uh, to be exploring this space. Yeah. of racist at atti- like books written from with a racist attitude in 1904 Let's do the same kind of thing but it's really difficult for Ben Bover as a, as a privileged white male to do that justice. And I think this book with just a few little changes like just a few sentences rewritten here and there hmm. would be a lot less objectionable, but still work as this same kind the same kind of adventure kind of thing. Yeah. Which isn't to say, oh, rewrite the book until Luke likes it and he gives it five stars, because again, this book was written in two thousand and I read it previously and I enjoyed it a lot, and I read it this time and I enjoyed it a lot. Hmm. And what I'm saying is I felt freer to enjoy it this time. Time knowing that it's based on a book that came out in 1904.
1: But here we come back to when we read... Oh, I
0: was going to finish that sentence. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for you were finished. Okay.
0: And I'm saying that's my privilege as a white male. <laughs> yes. Do you understand what I'm of saying? Course. that For me, I can go, oh, this is an interesting uh, uh, take on this. You yes. know what I mean? No, but if I, you're I, reading I this as a woman, you'd be like...
1: Ugh.
0: And to be honest, I was also going... Ugh. But, also yeah. was like, Ugh. but also I was like... And interesting where I you can But I don't
1: think you can write a book like that and then presume that everybody knows no. that this is based on a thing and then it makes it less worse that you can't no, write doesn't. a book No it doesn't, like it makes that. it just
0: as worse for everybody who's who yeah, didn't exactly. know that this book so, was <laughs> based on the white, uh, on the on the seawolf
1: Yeah, so I, I this writing something with having in mind, oh I'm do going to do a take on this story yeah. set slightly different but it's still going to have the same tropes in it. No, it, let me uh, put it this
0: way it's It's a failure Mm. to examine racism and sexism. It fails at that. Yes. But now that I know it's being based on characters from a book that was written in 1904, I find it an interesting failure Mm -hmm. and I find examining that enjoyable, weirdly enough. No, I most people won't see it that way yes. and even like the first time I read it I even remember oh like the ending of the book I'm like oh come on you know and, some, mm. and the racist language even when I read this book I, I was going to say read it in the 90s but of course it came out in 2000 so probably it, when I read this book the, the, in 2001
1: in, 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 our, in our view yeah. the 2000s are the 90s
0: yeah well <laughs> no again in my this, book, this book like was that. written in 2000 <laughs> if this book had been written in 2002 it would have been different because okay. the, the, the contemporary politics that Ben Bova always references in these books yeah. um, where he's talking about, uh, you know, corporatism and uni- unionization mm. and militarism, stuff like that. He's always writing about the, the politics of the day in a way.
1: But you must know that a book that came out in 2000 was written in the 90s.
0: Well, I'm saying it was written before 2001.
1: Yes, certainly.
0: No, what I'm saying is that something happened in 2001, which means that if this book had been written after 2001, it wouldn't have not mentioned that, or wouldn't have not been about that.
1: Yes, okay, you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: Okay, so all of that to say, Mm. I've talked about hardly anything that happens in this book except for referencing uh, referencing with other books.
1: Oh, one thing. Oh, yeah. Come in. Um, because I think you asked me about this. Because you wanted to write a, a comment about it on on a forum or something. Yeah. Um. When you mentioned, uh, um, sailing and sailing in space and having these currents in space yeah. to be sailing. Yeah. I had a really, really big uh, memory flash coming up because I'm playing a, a computer game yeah. on the Switch, which is called Heaven's Vault. Yeah. And what happens? Not Heaven's Gate. That's not Heaven's. <laughs> no, certainly not. But Heaven's Vault. And what happens there? The um, the way of the means of travel in between little different areas of the the map of yeah. the place. They are in some sort of space, like, ship. Yeah, it a, looks a sailing. like a boat. It, yeah, looks it looks like a boat. It's a sailing ship outside, with these yeah. things. And they are sailing on these air currents. currents. Yeah. And that reminded me very much of what you just said. Yeah, and um, But yeah,
0: everybody wants... If you're doing anything mythic or anything historic or anything like that, you want... Sailing ships hmm. Sailing ships it, it screams out to people That no matter What you're going to do Oh you want to do A retelling of the Odyssey We need You know We need to be sailing Around the Mediterranean hmm. Like all it, it calls to people All the time So much so That in the In the New Testament They're like We're going across The Sea of Gala- Galilee And we have want to have storms You know You're going to have storms At some point hmm. And you're going to Calm the storms And walk on the water And lots of sailing Everyone wants to... there's, there's no big Sailing industry On the Sea of Galilee It's like a small Small lake, you know. It's not even a sea. The first time it's ever been called a sea was in the New Testament. It wasn't known as any kind of sea at the time because it's not a sea; it's a freshwater lake. But the writers of, you know, the Gospels, like Mark, pretty much want so much wanted wanted to play in the same space as the Odyssey, uh, as as the Odyssey, and these other things. They they wanted sea adventures. They Mm. wanted storms to be calmed. They wanted to, you know, travel around by boat and get places by boat mm. it's it calls out to people so much that they'll even rename geography from a lake called galilee to the, and now everyone knows it as the sea of galilee if you've seen it it's like you know i mean it's a big lake but it's not like seaworthy it's not like the caspian sea or the mm. red sea or even the dead sea which is salt water mm. um yeah so it's 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 one of those things that like nobody can do it so even when ne- then when you're going in this um uh, this uh, computer game, mm. but it's about history. It's about myth. It's about the precursor, that kind of stuff. Even then, you, it, the, it, people can't resist putting sea and sailing imagery yes. in in their thing because as soon as you do, it becomes mythic. It yeah. becomes legendary. It becomes yeah. epic Magical. when people have to do sea adventures, and that's what they. Do. That's what Ben Bova does really well in this. this yeah. It's the adventure is really good adventure. The sailing and the, mm-hmm. the, the, all of that kind of stuff is really good fun the psychological part of the site of this being a psychological adventure is uh, less good. And I think that's mostly because of the side characters. Like Mm. it's the, the journey that these main two characters, the two white privileged men in the situation, Van Humphreys and uh, Lars Lars Fuchs, Fuchs. Fuchs. like their story is really good. And their psychology, unfortunately everybody around them becomes just these little pasted on little tropes. Yeah. Tropes. This, what the, oh this is the this is the savage person foreign person trope and this is oh. the woman trope and this is the ugly woman trope that someone sees naked and like oh I could never be attracted to that or turned on sexually to that person because oh. she's a bit too chunky or whatever like that and it's so and because uh, because it's, it's that written from <laughs> this 1904 kind of viewpoint and it's written but none the per, the unfortunately Van Humphries doesn't ever get across that he grows up as a person and the person he grows into is this 1904 view of what the great man of history is going to be yeah to become a world leader or become a great man or to become a great adventurer or whatever it's going to be like the person that you're going to be that you want someone to grow into it's a good journey there but in the end I'm kind of disappointed by who he becomes at the end yeah and which is a real which is the pity that's the thing about this book is that it's a book which has got some great adventure and all of the stuff which I've not even mentioned which is all the science about Venus and about yeah. the life under the, the or the the ideas behind what could be life on Venus and all of that kind of stuff. All of the story beats are great. The pacing is good. Even though at the time when I got like halfway through this novel, I was like, "Oh, I, this is the I don't remember like I <laughs> what happens now." And I realized actually, no. The meat of this book is mm-hmm. this interaction between um, Van Humphreys and Lars Fuchs. Mm. And I don't, and I remember that being in the book the first mm-hmm. time I read it, but I didn't realize, oh, that's the heart <laughs> of the book. Yes, and I was like, wow wow, these guys got together like way earlier than I remember <laughs> happening. I mean, there's loads of adventure at the start and stuff. And then when they're finally together on the same ship, I was like, wow, that, uh, they got here. And then I was like, well, what can be happening now? I was like, oh, these two characters butting up and trying to work out the differences. And, and, you know, one of them growing in one direction, the other one growing in the other direction, you know, all that kind of psychological drama stuff that's happening. Yeah. And the, and the swashbuckling adventurer like the seafaring adventure stuff kind of takes a little bit of a backseat although it's still happening there okay. and then there's the big climax where everything comes together in the end oh, of course of course there is yes to be honest I think one too many things that like of course it was it was set up the, the Chekhov's gun was there all the way through but I'd say please one fewer gun going off Chekhov's gun going off mm. at the end of this would have probably made it a bit better but either way suitably climactic ending to the story all mm-hmm. of it really Really good, but kind of frustrating that the person that we get at the end, or the characters where they end up after this psychological adventure
1: and development and
0: development, is kind of like ah, that's a little bit too like today it's too dated Mm -hmm. for it to be satisfying for those characters to end up in that situation. However, I think this book I enjoyed it more knowing now and reading the Wikipedia page of the uh, of the Mm Seawolf that from Jack London. It's better. It's a better book knowing that it's playing in an, yeah. an author from that someone had written a book from ninety six years before this one was published.
1: So this is kind of like a book with, that needs a disclaimer. Yeah, uh, and I do. And... In this
0: case, the disclaimer worked better for me.
1: Yeah, and like if you almost if you do
0: read sa- the Wikipedia, don't read the Wikipedia page all the way through. Just read that Wikipedia page introduction from the Seawolf. Like you know, the book's protagonist, Humphrey Van Waden, is a literary critic who's the survivor of an ocean collision who comes under the dominance of Wolf Larsen, a powerful and amoral sea captain who rescues him. If you just know that that is a story that was re- published in 1904, yeah, and then read Venus, Venus. and you can see the, the reflection of the names and the like, the the, the yeah. story as it goes on. And
1: if you acknowledge all the 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 thinking and the behaviour of yeah. this time.
0: It's it's a book written with 190 it's a big you need to uh, know the context yeah, really it, the, and the context is this is a book written exploring the mm. mindset and it it isn't the same story like I say it's not yeah, a it's, retelling yeah, yeah. the characters do go in different directions and the different things happen mm. of course you know one of them the space is space space, yeah, yeah, uh, the, space adventure so that's all I'm saying of like knowing that I it freed me to enjoy this book more mm-hmm. rather than like sometimes you know like if you do read a book from like like the early 20th century and yeah. there's savages and all the bad people are all, you know, uh, ignorant, um, colored people from <sighs> the, the depths and stuff. But this <laughs> happens all the way through. Like it still happens. Like this is the reason, this is one of the reasons why I couldn't get into those Larry Niven, um, Jerry Pornell books. Like that it, unfortunately those same attitudes exist in books written in the nineties, like Lu- Lucifer's hammer. I think it was, there's literally scenes where hordes of black people come out and start becoming cannibals to eat white people. You know, it's, really terrible like Mm -hmm. it's really bad Mm -hmm. this book is weirdly enough playing in that same space but i'd much rather see it done i wouldn't say by a better author because this is perfectly fine but like the writing is good the characters are fine i'm just saying like the like the if you want to call it the political perspective that it's playing in Mm. is uh is reflects the white privilege that is in the book yeah and i think that's why this book doesn't have good reviews yeah
1: and And it, it shouldn't
0: and it I'm not saying it shouldn't. I'm saying I found my I found that I could enjoy this book more reflecting on its failures, knowing where those failures come from. Okay, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. But my higher
0: my higher rating of subjectively enjoying this book isn't saying I think the racism and sexism in this book is acceptable. I'm saying that I think it's totally possible to enjoy something which also has sexism and racism in it uh if if it's a if it's a if, if you're kind of not acknowledging where it's coming from, but if the rest of the book is still actually well written and enjoyable and has worth it doesn't mean mm. that it has to automatically be a one star book because some of the politics in the book are uh incorrect with the current day because that means you can never enjoy. The, like I say, the Odyssey has slavery and rape and killing in it. Yeah. And it's very difficult to say, ah, because it has slavery in it and because it has sexism and, and racism in it, it is therefore, it has to be a one-star book.
1: No, no, no. But I think still, like if you would now give this book four stars mm-hmm. and wouldn't... Wouldn't add anything to it, no asterisks.
0: No, the asterisk is this is a book which most the, the reason why this book on, um, on uh, what's it called here on Goodreads Venus Grand Tour has got a 3.76 star rating on it. Mm-hmm. And when you read down these reviews, look, it, normally when you get down to them, there's lots of five star reviews and four star reviews, yeah, but here's a three star, one star, two star, four star four star for you know a few four star books and like then almost didn't finish this one um you know uh it was so laughably bad that we refrained from giving it one star you know during the reagan period ben bova written his kinsman steer is a science fiction piece beginning with the star wars planning on the moon the the, the anti-missile mm-hmm. stuff, you know? um uh somehow managed to have all the sexism of a good 80s larry Niven novel with none of the fun to balance it out uh, plus, somehow this was written in 2000, which is kind of appalling considering the ridiculous misogyny and racism throughout. Ridiculous is I'm laughing incredulously as I read it. Like, yes, mm. I acknowledge that one star review. However, knowing now that mm. it was written in the in 2000 based on a book written in 1904 and is exploring that same adventure like frontier fiction where the educated white men are going up against the savages it's a misguided attempt like i think it's misguided and is a failure on that on that kind of thing yeah. but going into it knowing that i enjoyed it as an adventure and as science fiction like the science fiction ideas and the problem you know the like the, the andy weir problem solving yes, in this book yes. is really high level yeah, like the the um, adventure, sailing ships in in space, all that kind of stuff is really high level. Yeah, like the psychological adventure is again pretty high level. Again, a pity that the side character—it it all depends on these like almost nameless and faceless side characters mm-hmm. like that—is pretty high level. The actual story and the plot is very well done. The adventure is very well done. It is a very well done book. Let down by somebody attempting to like explore the space. Of a 1904 adventure book, and what he changes about the book isn't the isn't ingrained enough. racism yes. and sexism. Yeah. It's more like the oh, environmentalism. I'm gonna... No, well, environmentalism and also the psychological adventure doesn't take the same. That doesn't take the same approach, right? You know, yeah. Uh, it's it's um it's kind of like the psychological adventure is updated. Unfortunately, he didn't update the sexism and racism uh, in the same way. Because and I think probably... it would be possible to, possible to do it. But all no, the I'm... rest of the book is really really good. But yeah. All of these reviews are saying wow, this is surprisingly racist and sexist for a book that was written in 2000. And literally I couldn't find a single review that mentions, oh, this is a, like a retelling of a book from 1904. Yeah. And knowing that that it's a, a failed experiment of that made it more enjoyable for me. And I wouldn't say more forgivable, but again, I keep coming back to this. It explained it and let me enjoy the failure. Like yes. in investigating what failed about it, I found an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um- and I, I, I wow, think we,
0: I didn't realize we've been going over an hour already yes, on this book. Yeah,
1: yeah, we've been. I
0: haven't even talked about the story.
1: I, I know, but I think talking about the book is is plenty. Yeah. Like people now can make a, an informed decision if they want to go into this book, like with this knowledge now. Yeah, and I, then I, experience I do think the, it, the story.
0: I think, weirdly enough, I think it's a book that's worth reading um, to see someone. Uh, take this approach and again, fail. And I don't think a modern author would be able to do this now. I think, or put it this way, I think it would take, like, I wouldn't want to see a 70... When would he have been? He'd have been 68 years old when he wrote this book. Mm. And I don't think it's now the place of a 68-year-old white man to do this kind of thing. And I think
1: this just shows that... um, Like, I'm now leaning out of the window here. Yeah. Um, But he... Is that not how you say?
0: No. Carry on your thoughts, and I'll work out what you mean by "I'm leaning out of the window." Leaning myself out. Oh, you're putting your head above the parapet. Let me say that way. Okay. You're putting yourself in the firing line by by saying
1: saying that I think he he probably didn't even notice from his point of a an old white man, he yeah. probably remembered, oh, eh, when I was young, yeah. I read this book yeah. and I really oh, enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to now r- take this. And, and
0: update it for and, the modern day, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, and updating for the modern out, day isn't just make the science good on Mars, exactly. on Venus. Yeah.
1: And I think that because of that, be, uh, that's just how, from my female yeah. w- white perspective now, is that I think he didn't even...
0: Yeah, it passed him by. Yeah.
1: He, he wouldn't even thought like this this if you don't ex, if you don't expand it if you yeah. don't experience this you just wouldn't even see it maybe. Yeah,
0: like if you're gonna play in the space of a previous author, like re- rewriting or like play, like when I say playing in the space, you know, we're, uh talking about like say the Light Brigade by Catherine uh, Cameron. it's gonna call it Catherine. Where's the Catherine? Cameron Hurley yeah. with the Light Brigade. Like, okay, I'm now going to do the um military science fiction boot camp novel where mm-hmm. we're all training and then going on missions. Mm. She's like, this is Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. I am going to be referencing the Forever War, like going through time. You you know, every yeah. time you come back, time has accelerated, whatever bit of Ender's game, bit of all yeah. these other kind of things. But it takes someone I would much rather read like a modern writer going, "Oh, what was my favorite childhood book?" yeah, and then going what what is problematic in those books or what's interesting in those books, or what could be updated for the modern day and modern sensibilities and knocking it out the park. That becomes for me a five star book to say, what was the, like, who, like, who were the, like, the downtrodden in the previous book and how can we represent them a bit better? Like, that was, like, Heinlein missed when he wrote this in the 1960s or whenever yeah. he wrote Starship Troopers. Like, what was he, like, he had some good ideas and he has some interesting politics and different thoughts. Yeah. How can we reflect that better for, for the modern world and sort of like promote, not even promotes something, just like approach it from a different direction? Yes. And, that for me then is a five-star book yeah like someone who can take a previous novel reference it like have the characters coming from the same place literally with the same names in some cases with the same setup and the same yeah. technology like, like like peter f hamilton did with the salvation you know yeah. him going all oh, right hyperion's good how can i do Hyper? how i'm gonna do hyperion and like i'm now an established author in my way i've got nothing to prove What can I do? And like I say, when you look at the the final book, when, what was it? The last episode, I was looking at what are the highest rated books that I've read on Goodreads? And that was in the top 10 book. You know, that series is in top 10. We gave it five stars. I gave, I gave uh, the Light Brigade five stars. It's possible to do what, what Ben Bover did in here and succeed with that. To go, yes. I'm going to play in the same space as this previous novel to read, or do a retelling or reimagining of this story, mm-hmm. but like, change all the details about it, but like self-consciously work within the framework of this classic piece of science fiction, or in this case, adventure fiction. Yeah. And, and how can I do it? And this fails at that yeah. It's very good at other things that he's attempting to do. Mm. But as a modern day reimagining, it even failed for a book written in 2000. <laughs> and reading it now in 2021, it fails even harder. And I remember from the previous time reading it thinking, wow, this is a bit dated, but not realizing that he's referencing a book in 1904. Awkward. Just thinking, wow, this is a bit dated, even when I read it in 2001 or 2004 or whenever yeah, I read yeah. it for the first yeah, time.
1: Yeah, that's, that's all really interesting. So what is your rating then?
0: Well, that's the thing. like. From an from a, an enjoyment and in intellectual rating, I'd give it four stars. But then, like, I would never want anyone to read this book thinking it's a four star book. Yes, because again. This all comes with the disclaimer of it being something which unfortunately falls between the cracks. Yeah, like I under, like I totally understand and back up why loads of people are giving this one and two stars on Goodreads. Or I didn't finish it. It's laughably dated, even yeah. for a book written in two thousand. I get that one star review thing, but I also get why people like me previously like if you'd have said remember that book that you read in 2002, what rating would you give to that book? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, four stars. I remember it really, I remember it really fondly. I remember it really yeah. good, like even if I had some issues with it at the some time. Some of
1: the other stuff just falls down.
0: Yeah, it falls in the cracks. Mm. But this book, Up Against um, the the Martian... No, not The Martian. What Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary, which is the book that I hadn't made, which is still, it's working the same way. Like, high pressure, high temperature alien life. Let's go. Like, things living in the clouds of Venus. Let's go. You know, problem solving on a ship when you're by yourself on a ship and you've got some high pressure, low, you know, all that kind of stuff. This book does all of that better than Andy Weir did in Project Hail Mary. Yeah. And also that book came off as like... Because he, he, he couldn't do characters and didn't even attempt to do characters. And when he did attempt to do characters, everyone just becomes oh. cardboard cutouts. Yes. And the main character is just this nothing of a character. Mm. And I would I would rather somebody aiming for psychological drama mm. and failing, yeah. but actually taking the character on a, a character arc. Yeah. So compared to that, what we gave that, two and a half stars, yeah. this would be a five-star book compared to that. But of course it isn't a five-star yeah. book. I'm just saying that like it's really really difficult to rate this book. And I'll give it three and a half stars. Yeah. Because I think all of the good stuff in this book would bring it to like a good four and a half star book. Yeah. But there's uh, there's a, a one star of failing in terms mm. of the side characters and the the dated the the datedness of it. Yeah,
1: and then the Which non- would, then non- that would reflective... take it down to two
0: and a half stars. But then my personal enjoyment of working out why it was felt so dated and why it, you another know and what the weird names came from. Why you know like why does that happen in the book? Oh, actually, it's setting up. Why is this thing? Oh, it's actually a reference to a gold rush. So there's a gold rush to Venus. You're like this doesn't make any sense. You're like no no go with it because it sets up the frontier story that we want. So some of yeah. the issues that I would have had with it and then made up knowing about the context that the book was written and the goals of the author at the same time so uh, yeah three and a half stars okay like could have been good taken down two stars for this and then taken i can recover one star of rating from what would have been a two and a half star book just from being able to enjoy the like intellectual experience of working out what's wrong with this knowing like having read the wikipedia page of a previous book (laughs) okay an hour and fifteen minutes. Yes. Again. We got, we we've hit the hour and fifteen minute mark by accident. Let's yep. wrap it up quickly here. Yes. Thank you very much to everyone. Uh, who was it who got back to me on, on Twitter? Thank you very much back to James McCormack for pointing out that yeah, the book probably was the the, the horse clan books. One of the horse One of the, horse, of the clan. horse clan books. Or maybe a collection of stories from the horse clan. I can't remember from a book that i read in
1: 1993 (laughs) that's cool and uh thanks Um, for the other mystery solving yeah and
0: the other mystery solvers i think that's it now We, we can we've finished that up thank you very much to yeah anyone who got in contact with us on uh email me i do reply to every email that i get if you want me to uh, read a book, that's a really good thing. Oh, yes, is oh, yes. To, I need go to, over to... Uh, what's up.
1: We need to say that. Philippa, oh, please yeah, Philippa. Send, send a book you want us to read. I'm yeah, really yeah. looking forward to reading a, a, another book. I'm just now reading yeah. some... Our Patreon book- supporter,
0: that's the thing. Like, the idea on Patreon, we have patreon.com forward slash Luke Berridge. It's, again... The idea is that it's mostly for ju- people who want to support my juggling projects like Fight Night Combat and the videos that we make and the video series and the, mm. uh, the vlogging that we do. Um, but in these pandemic times, it's been really great that some science fiction book review podcast listeners have also gotten to uh, so support great. us, which is really great. Uh, if you're supporting us at the... Or if you bump up your support, even for one month, up to the $25 level, mm-hmm. you get to suggest a topic, which again was set up to... for people to suggest juggling podcasts that they want but... to hear us topics. But... also you yeah, can read
1: uh, a book that... give us us a book
0: and uh, somebody did that Uh, Philippa thank you very much and uh, yeah email us uh, Luke at juggler.net suggest a book if you're a publisher or an author uh, and or a publicist or something like that don't send me emails Um, I send the same form reply to every single one of them Mm. Um, especially
1: if they then uh, haven't obviously not listened to the podcast
0: (laughs) you know if you've listened to this podcast you know that you do not want me to interview Ben Bova um actually S-
1: is he still alive? Yeah,
0: he's he's eighty eight years old now. Oh
1: wow. Okay.
0: Anyway, um what was I gonna say? Yeah, that's it. And um Yeah, that's it. LukeBurge dot com forward slash something something something. Patreon.com forward slash lukeburridge, twitter dot com forward slash dot Instagram.com forward slash lukeburridge. You you'll find you'll find us in all the places.
1: Yes. Oh good reads. Oh, yeah, you Goodreads, again, uh, yeah.
0: And also, become my friend on Goodreads, and I can also see what you think of the book. Only uh, a few people have rated this. It's got a 3.13 average rating, so I'm coming in at a three and a half stars kind of thing. Yeah. Tom rating. Tom Rowe is the only person who reviewed it. He gave it four stars. While not a great book, I enjoyed this a lot. It reminded me a lot of Jupiter. I think I will read more of the Grand Tour series and see where it leads. You know what? I might do that. Oh. Low, pretty much all of them are free on the Audible Free Library. Sounds oh and good. the next book that i'm going to read is a book called um uh peronese or peronese by suzanne clark per- it's an author, uh, author i've not read before but it was nominated for the hugo and nebula awards and okay it's the, it's the one book where i was like oh that looks interesting okay and some of the others i started reading and didn't go with um so i'll get to this one
1: okay um sounds interesting
0: i i it's a short book as well it's like six hour audiobook i i oh see maybe it it's on the library Maybe, so, but it's a new book, so it might be... But,
1: sometimes a new book's are. Tell you what,
0: I'll yeah. read it, yeah. and if I think this is a Juliana book, because it's only six hours long, then he, you could probably finish it up by the time we, I would want to review it anyway. Sounds, it's a short, quite sounds short good. Book. All right. That's it for much. For, that's it for from us, for us. Every, for, for... That's the last episode of the Science Fiction Book Review podcast because we, we got the second book that Luke uh, couldn't remember from his childhood. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to um, uh, this episode Uh, that's it and we'll catch you next time
1: goodbye